0: A dog's life is supported by RelaxoPet. It's simply animal relaxing. Being left alone, travelling, fireworks, thunder, trips to the vet, or just a change in any environment can unsettle a pet. This tune sounds very relaxing, yet, beneath this meditative melody are levels of frequencies that are only audible to your dog. When I tried out Relaxopet with my excitable miniature bull terrier Prudence, I simply couldn't believe how quickly she settled and actually seemed more deeply relaxed. Her behavior in general has actually dropped several gears, <laughs> and she is more confident and calm in herself. So I use it every day. Developed in Germany, Relaxopet emanates cleverly configured frequencies that tune into your dog's subconscious to retrain his thought process into becoming calm. Tested in collaboration with vets, breeders, pet parents, in a huge variety of stressful situations, it boasts a uniquely calibrated speaker system that just plugs in and plays. Along with the RelaxoPet sound system, you can develop a calmer dog with other RelaxoPet products, like the super scent-safe multi-purpose play ring and the soothing cool bandana. Why not check out their full product range and even order yours today from PetTradeInnovations.com. That's PetTradeInnovations.com. I'm Anna Webb, welcome to A Dog's Life. Well, Mr. Binks, you know what it's like to have been rehomed into your forever home. And I'm heading south of the river now to meet two very different dogs, Susie and Simba. Susie is a rescue from Thailand, and Simba is a stunning Shiva Inu from Shropshire. They're both owned by Steve Pitron, who works for Island Records. And we're going to be talking about the trials and tribulations, the highs and the lows of integrating two very different dogs. Don't worry, I'll be home soon. Steve, so good to see you. Thanks for joining me on a Dog's Life.
1: You're more than welcome. This is the highlight of my week. I've been looking forward to this for the last couple of months since you reached out, so thank you very much for having me and Welcome to my home.
0: I can't believe it. I'm finally uh, meeting One-Eyed Susie, which is who is really, which, who, is really why we're here to talk about, you know, obviously your dogs. And One-Eyed Susie is particularly special. But I guess it's always good to start at the beginning. Yep. And the beginning is really with beautiful Simba over there, who is a stunning
1: Shiba Inu. So, I mean, let me take it back to the start. So I, I, we, we were brought up with a dog. We had a dog at home, we had a Lassie up, so um, she lived to be 16. We loved her, she was the family dog. And then she passed away, I, you know, I left home. So I never really thought about having my own dog. Um, moved into this flat 20 years ago, and the, uh, one of my flatmates actually said, you know, we should think about getting a dog. But at that time, I wasn't ready for the sacrifices that I knew I needed to make to, to entertain having a dog. Um, Anyway, time went by and then, you know, I was listening to you guys on BBC London, uh, the Barking Hour, as it was then. Barking at the Moon. Barking at the Moon, sorry, right at the beginning. When we were at night, yeah. I just, there was something about that show that just kind of um, introduced me to the world of dogs and kind of reminded me the joy that you get from having a dog in the home. And I remember speaking to you guys loads about, you know, what dog should I think about getting, you know, talking about my circumstances, how I worked, how, you know, how much time I spent at home, how much time I wasn't able to spend at home. Um, And you guys were fantastic. You just kind of said, do your research, um, you know, work with official breeders, deal with the kennel club. So I went away, did my research and I, I knew I knew I wanted a dog like a husky, but I also knew from speaking to pe- people that huskies are hard work. You know, they're dogs. They want to run. They want to walk. So if they're at home for quite a few hours in the day, that's not going to be good home life for, for a husky. So I actually Googled mini husky <laughs> and a Shiba Inu came up, which is a Japanese spitz breed. Uh, so I did the research through the kennel club, uh, found I think there were like 12 breeders in the UK. Um, and I found this wonderful lady called Liz Dunhill, um, who apparently was the first person to bring Shiba Inas to the UK, I think about 30 years ago. Um, we travelled up, I think it was like five hours in the car to go and see her.
0: Was she in Shropshire? Yeah,
1: it was, it was miles away. And it, she was amazing, and she is amazing, I still speak to her. Um, she didn't tell me she had puppies, it was kind of a test to see how committed I was. Like, would I travel all that way purely for research purposes? Which of course I did. So we drove up there, got there, walked into her, 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 her um, house, and there were just, you know, six gorgeous sheep Inu puppies. And I just looked at her, I was like, you've got puppies? And she was like, yep. And I remember sitting in the lounge, um, and I was doing the bank transfer, and all these other dogs at the time were jumping over me. He was nowhere to be seen. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, I'm about to buy this dog. And all the other dogs are jumping all over us. And this dog was out, out in the garden or just being quite aloof as he is now. So anyway, we carried on with it. And, I, and I'll never forget, as we were leaving, we were packing the crate in the car and taking him. And I said to her, I was like, I'm really concerned if we picked the wrong dog. And she's like, no, he's a thinker. He's a
0: thinker. He's a thinker. He's a thinker
1: and he is a thinker. Um, and that was it. We drove home with him five hours back. Couldn't quite believe we'd gone up there not expecting to come back with anything. I remember
0: getting a text from yes. you going... I've done it. Send you a picture, and I remember thinking, oh, "Gosh, that you know, you've taken the plunge." We took the plunge.
1: We jumped in the deep end. And it was—he is the perfect choice for us. He's seven years old now. He's you know, if as anyone knows, Shiba Inus—they're extremely independent. Yeah. I think they're not for everyone. If you want a dog to cuddle up on the sofa or mm. to have its head on your pillow at night time this is not the dog for you they you know they people say they're closer to cats than dogs they're quite aloof yeah yeah you can see him right now he was excited to see you for about 30 seconds
0: But to be honest with you... Which is what you you like, I know. Well, I do like this. This is how dogs should behave when... um, And that's how my Molly, my first miniature bull terrier, would be with people. Oh, hello, you know, because she'd met so many people over the years. She got a bit sort of, you know, blasé about it, really. And then she'd settle, grab a hoof or something, and just watch and observe people. In a way, you know... As you guys, you're, you know, very busy. To have a dog that isn't quite as needy or demanding as some other breeds is perfect.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you know, we'll get on to Susan in a second. But we've lucked out with two dogs. Um, they sleep a lot when we're not around. I mean, we have um, the ring cameras, so you know, right. this is this isn't. just us guessing. We're able to see that they, you know, when we're gone, they're not anxious. They're not, you know, scratching at the door, crying to get out. They're very comfortable in, in their own company and they just sleep a lot you know and then you know we have a dog walker also very fortunate we have um a handful of friends who live quite close to here that have keys and, and they come around they're such lovely dogs people want to walk them so we're very fortunate to have this wide uh, you know family and network you've for them
0: your lovely outdoor space there as well i mean this is you know great a great environment for, for a dog to be but you know it wasn't always easy with Simba. There, there was, you know, a, a, a few teething the problems. Teething
1: problems in the teenage years.
0: Yeah, that's it. The minute they hit about seven months, yeah, everything goes a bit, you I know, did, left field.
1: I did, you know, I think again on recommendation of you, we took him puppy training every Sunday in... Finsbury Park. Finsbury Park, yeah. With Sue Evans. With Sue Evans, which is fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it was... There were many times where I was left the embarrassed parent, where all the all the other owners were. You know, there's certain tests that you do where you, you know, you, you go to the other side of this area, call your dog's name, and pretty much every dog runs over obediently <laughs> to their owner. Where Simba would kind of like look left and right and kind yeah. of amble over, In my own and you feel like you know that that parent at the school gates, maybe with their child. But it was definitely worth doing, you know, and it was just, just simple things. I realise now looking back, like, he hated, you know, car journeys, he would vomit, he would cry, and it, it was just getting him used to, you know, the car leads to, to somewhere fun. You mm. know, occasionally it will lead to the vets, but very rarely. So just doing that kind of, uh, that, those kind of things when he was very young, you know, socialising him with other dogs, with other people, being outside, obedience, um, travelling in the car, I think it helped him settle very quickly. But Wonderful you were so job. committed. You yeah. know,
0: anyone listening that's thinking about taking on a dog? You know, this is Steve Pitron talking, you know, and the work that you put in was just, you know, applaudable yeah. really. You, you, know, you, you were 100% behind it. Do you it. know what?
1: Everyone should spend time doing some kind of puppy training just to just to prepare your dog for the world so that, you know, whether it's getting on an escalator, getting in a car, understanding about traffic, noise, other dogs, yeah. just to make their life and your life consequently easier.
0: And understanding what your dog is trying to say to you as well. You know, I know Sue in her classes would explain about things like yawning, that doesn't mean your dog is tired, but it it means means your dog's overwhelmed, yeah, Yeah. or a bit freaked out by situation. And when you know that's what it means, then you can adapt, take, you know, Yeah, and you understand your
1: dog's limits and and what they like and don't
0: like. And they they were Buddhist dogs originally, weren't they, from Japan, bred by, Japanese Buddhist
1: monks, I guess. And it's the, the national dog of Japan, isn't it? Is it really? Yeah, I think so, yeah.
0: So time went by, and you've always enjoyed going to Thailand. I mean, who, who wouldn't? Um, so you found yourself in Thailand for one Christmas, wasn't it?
1: Well, first went to Thailand in, in 2008. You know, we went back year after year, and it was like being welcomed back by friends. It was fantastic. And there's, there were loads of dogs that, you know, as you know, roam the streets, you know, they're getting hit by cars, the one lives on the beach and the resort. And she, this, this dog called Susie, was was just one of the beach dogs. But, you know, she occupied... Or she, sorry, she um, used to hang out on this resort, but she didn't really belong to anyone. At that time, she had sight. Um, she was definitely, definitely the matriarchal bitch on the beach. You know, that was she, the first year you met her? That was the f- 2008. And I, and I wish I could say I've got... A, you know, really vivid memory of her. I just know from my photos that she was there and I was aware of this dog because she was quite dominant. Um, she would keep the other dogs on the beach away from her area of the beach. She ran the roost. Over the following years when we returned, just noticed that she started to get white eyes. So she lost, over the years, she lost lost her sight. And then the last time we went back, which was just over five years ago, she was there. She seemed noticeably older. She was completely blind. And I don't know if it's the other dogs who were beneath her in the pecking order could, could understand or suspect some, or could get some sense of weakness. They were then challenging her.
0: Right, that can happen, yeah. so absolutely. Ba- yeah. So they were
1: basically like, you know, going for her, trying to attack her.
0: Take the, the, the yeah. ruling position, you know, and knock her off her plinth. Yeah,
1: and on one, one day we weren't on the resort, we were at a beach and we came back and there were two young girls staying at the resorts and, and they were in floods of tears because she'd been attacked by the dogs. She charged into the side of a deck chair and one of her eyes had become completely engorged with like pus and blood. Oh. Um, they'd begged the owners of the resort to take her to the vet. But, you know, they're, they're stray dogs. I guess they don't have the funds to take well, every is, single dog to the vet.
0: Yeah, but it's down to poverty, isn't yeah, it, really? Completely. I mean, it's not down to cruelty Yeah, no, or no, no, totally.
1: And, the, you know, these two girls begged, you know, begged the people there saying we need to take her to the vet. And they, they didn't want, you know, they weren't able to help or didn't want to help. So the two girls took took Susie to the vet, the vet looked at the eye, said that he was concerned and felt that the eye might need to be removed, she'd already lost her eyesight, gave gave them some drops to administer to her. So the girls came back to the resort, they were leaving, so they gave the, the treatments to a couple of people at the resort, but it became apparent very quickly that they weren't going to administer the drops or the cream, I can't remember what it was. So we took over the responsibility because we'd befriended the girls, so we knew, we knew about this situation. So, you know, there were a couple of days where we just kind of embraced her into She slept with us in, in the beach hut. You know, I don't think until that point she'd probably ever been inside a hut before. She took some encouragement, to come in, we put a towel on the floor, administered the drops for a few days and then made another appointment to take her to the vets. Took her to the vets. Um, it's the good guy, there was a vet. Yeah, there, yeah know, a great, fantastic, fantastic local guy, but spoke very fluent English and very accomplished. And he basically said, the eye has to come out. She'll be in considerable pain. I can do this this operation for you, but you should know that, you know, there's going to be, you know, she's going to have a, a period of recovery, and we were going home the next day, yeah. so we were caught in this conundrum of like, what do we do? If we just put her back on the beach, she, you know, she will die. Uh, she needs this treatment. And then he said, I know someone who operates kind of a, a dog charity in the jungle, let me call her. So he called this lovely lady called Sabrina. She came down to meet us and basically said, if, if I pay for the operation, she will look after her rehabilitation. Um, and at that point it was like, okay, we can do that, but what happens afterwards? So that, at that point it was like, okay, I guess we're bringing Susie back to the UK. So Drum roll. that was kind of like, okay, we're gonna do that. And then I think the next day it was just a lot of phone calls to you guys. I remember. I think I even called into the show. <laughs> Lots of emails, <laughs> yeah. like googling. Can you bring a dog back to, yeah. to the UK? Should I, mean, I do
0: this? How's Simba gonna react yeah, if we all bring all of up that stuff? Speaking it, to the breeder, decision. how would a Shiba Inu yeah. be with a
1: stray, stray dog? A blind dog? The responsibility of a blind dog? What does that mean? How, you know, are we experienced enough? the rules and regulations about in you know vaccinations quarantine it, it was
0: well from thailand of course it's not the eu so the 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 basic pets passport scheme yeah. doesn't figure yeah. because it's not europe so yeah. i mean you know she would have had a whole whack of vaccinations yeah. i should imagine
1: we took her to the vets she had the operation the eye was removed all bandaged up um, and the lady sabrina came to the vets this was on the on the saturday night and we were flying home on the sunday and she took Susie back to where she was uh, living, a quarter of a mile to the middle of this jungle hut that she had and, and multiple dogs. I don't know how many she was rescuing. Horses, cats. She was really like a saint on the island, giving all these poor animals um, a home. Took Susie in there. She's all bandaged up, bless her, this pink bandage you know, over this eye that's been removed and stitched up. Um, and she showed us where she was keeping Susie. She had like an outhouse area, put Susie in there. I put my T-shirt, took a T-shirt to kind of familiarise her with a, with a smell. Yeah, good Put idea. her there and, and Sabrina just put, you know, a wooden panel just on the side, loosely at the side. That was that. We thought, you know, she was heavily sedated, so that'll be fine. So, so we left, we went for dinner that night and we were just like feeling really positive. We'd contributed to hopefully... Um, you know, helping Susie have a better life ahead of her coming to the UK. And then I looked down at my phone and there was just this message from Sabrina saying, Susie's escaped.
0: With her bandage? Well, just... no,
1: the bandage. She'd ripped the bandage off. So it was pitch black. It was nighttime. I just grabbed my partner, my friend. And was like, Susie's escaped. Ran out into the street, flagged down one of the rickshaw guys, went off in a hurry to the, to the jungle. It was pitch black. You couldn't see anything. So when
0: you say the jungle,
1: you mean the proper jungle? Yeah, I mean, like in, not obviously not deep in the hills, but it was, it was thick, dense trees. Ouch. Yes, a mud path leading out to and it. And no, light. no, no lights. No street lights. Yeah. So of course we go in there, you can't see anything. So we're in flip-flops. We've got our phones out with our lights on. Start calling Susie's name. Um, you can imagine all the dogs start barking. So you've got, you're trying to listen for a dog. You're hearing 27 dogs. Then you're hearing the neighbours' dogs. Uh, the lady told us at the back there was a cliff, so we're just thinking the worst. Oh, we can't no. see anything. It's raining. We're walking along. You know, we're shining our torches. We're looking in the, in the gutter, in the road, in the holes. We did it f- for hours. It was, it, it was heartbreaking. After several hours, we just kind of had to give up. That you know, we, we couldn't look anywhere else. Um, so so we went back. Went back to our resort, which was on the other side of the island. And there was part of me in my heart that, as we arrived, thinking she found her way back, you know, she has an incredible sense of smell, kind of uh, maybe she c- can understand even though it was miles. So I kind of went back, called her name and was just thinking, where's the bit where she walks around the corner and she's there? Oh no. And of course she wasn't there. I bet
0: you were thinking you've got to cancel your
1: flight. We are just devastated Well, we couldn't because we were, we, I think we were connecting somewhere. So the whole thing was kind uh. of meshed together with that we had to be leaving. Um, so the next morning, you know, we were speaking to Sabrina and she was like, don't worry, I'm gonna go out searching as soon as it's daylight. She was fantastic. Immediately she printed up posters. I, I said we'd give her an award. So she was out on the street in the morning. We were heading to the airport, but we got on the plane knowing that she hadn't been found. Oh. We were just devastated. And the thing that played on my mind was, this is, this is one of those situations where you think you're helping, but in actual fact, you're a Westerner that's interfered with someone. And maybe it would have been better to let her live out her days in the location that she'd known all her life. But equally, at the same time, she was in pain. She would have died an, an agonising death because no one was looking out for her. So anyway, we, we flew home. We were devastated. We were I know, all a you, bit tearful. You know, it's that
0: thing, that guilt thing, really. And ultimately, you had done the right thing. you have done the you're right thing. You're being compassionate. Your intention was good. And yeah, I mean, but you know, when
1: getting on the plane and you're just like where is that dog where is she right now we knew her bandages had come off we knew the anesthetic would have worn off we knew the uh, tranquilizers would have worn off she would be in pain she wouldn't recognize any smells any voices or you know she does everything from memory so it was all new because she was on the other side of the of the island took off i can't remember how long the flight is from thailand to the uk but it's a long flight of just thinking about what we had done and just just being devastated, and then I'll never forget, as the plane started to land, I put my phone on, and there was a text message, we found her. Oh. And basically, they'd been out searching for hours and hours in the pouring rain, they'd searched this um, old petrol station, and then they went to leave, and then there was something in Sabrina's mind that just said, check behind it. So she went behind it, and there was Susie cowering and shivering in the rain. So Bless. it was a proper, like, you know, divine intervention. So of course took Susie back took Susie to the vets sorted her out and then that was it she stayed with Sabrina for I mean it took 5 months and that's when we got to kind of really understand what kind of dog Susie is and she's a tough old girl So also Sabrina did
0: she give you regular updates she must have done you Yeah know. there
1: were regular updates like Susie's eaten through my front door <laughs> Susie's eaten through the wall <laughs> But, um, and basically, that's when we would I mean, should just
0: say, oh, she's not particularly a very big dog. You no. know. I can't imagine she could eat through a front door. No,
1: she is the most docile, loving, just fantastic dog. But she doesn't... I guess she's blind, so she doesn't, she's used to fending for herself and she doesn't like to be restrained in, in circumstances that she doesn't understand. So if you lock her or confine her she will want to escape if she's not familiar with that situation. So if you can imagine, she's, she's lived nine years at the time in a resort that she knows inside out. She knows all the pathways, the steps, the swimming pool, and you've suddenly, she's now somewhere else. She doesn't recognize the sounds, the smells. She, she's gonna to want to escape because that doesn't feel comfortable to her. And we weren't used, you know, it was a learning curve for Sabrina and you know, in the end, she had to live. She was the only dog that lived in the house with Sabrina because it was the only way that, well, that she, she could live was there. So matriarchal she too. did get on with the other dogs. Right. I remember her sending messages just to warn you: Susie hates all other dogs. You know, she was.
0: <laughs> and I, and you're thinking, oh no. Well, yeah. I mean, we were because back in Simba.
1: We were back in London by then, so of course, you know, there were certain people that were just kind of thinking, you know, is this not a bit of a holiday moment? You're back now. Life continues. Maybe it's best if she stays there. But I. I just knew that I had to see this through to a completion point and that was Susie coming to the UK and it wasn't some crazy fantasy I'd started this journey with her and I was incredibly committed to You pushed it yeah, through. I had to. I you couldn't. Know, yeah. I wouldn't been able to live with myself if I just dabbled and then walked away. You know, and of course there were moments where I was like God, is this really going to work? You know, she's damaging this poor woman's house. She doesn't get on with other dogs. I remember speaking to Liz, the Shiba Inu breeder, and she's like, you could be in for trouble. But I was like, I will make this work.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, you asked my advice, and I was like, Steve, you know, I can't say to you, you're totally, definitely doing the right thing, because this might not be yeah. from what you're saying to me, and you love your dog Simba.
1: I think it was knowing the way he is and how chilled he is made me think, I can make this work. Even if she doesn't like other dogs, I refuse to believe that we can't, you know, associate them, have them living together. He will give her space, we will make it work. Um, and then, as I said before, we went through the process. It was very lengthy, it was very costly. There were lots of issues. There were lots of things we weren't aware of. You know, it cost a lot of money, but five months later, she arrived um, at Heathrow. And as I said, she was actually the, five, the fifth anniversary of her arriving in the UK yesterday.
0: So so timely to do yeah, this. Yeah, incredibly podcast. timely. So and it must have been weird driving to Heathrow to pick her up. I mean, I must say I've never picked up a yeah, dog that's arrived in it, baggage claim. I just How didn't know work? what to
1: think. I mean, because obviously it was five months, you know, and I'm, I know enough to know about dogs, particularly from listening to you guys, to kind of understand they live in the moment. So whereas we, whereas we were missing Susie and thinking of the past, the dog lives in the moment. So as much as I wanted it to be a kind of like door opens and Susie comes galloping towards me, oh my God, you've rescued me. First of all, she's blind. And secondly, it was f- five months later, you know, yeah. she'd lived in, she'd gone from, you know, living, you know, where she was brought up to living to a different part of an island to being shipped on two ferries a flight, spending two weeks in Bangkok before the final part of the journey to London. So Did she do
0: all that on her own? Did someone go with her to no, Bangkok? No, she was
1: created, so...
0: Without supervision, no, no, so no. relying
1: on people. The, someone putting. I mean, it was a network of people. So right. it was a respected group of people that that saw saw it through from beginning to end. So it wasn't just you know Anybody. just randomly slung on the you know the plane and hope for the best at the other end. Yeah. It was a military procedure. Okay, that um, sounds. Good and I remember though. I can't remember the exact details, but I think that, that um, the route. The cheapest way to bring your dog into the UK, I think, is to fly them to Amsterdam. Right. And then bring them this way. And I can't remember exactly why that is. But I just chose to think, she's blind. I just want to get her as, uh, with as short a time as possible and without on planes, off planes. Because it's just the barrage of noises and senses. It, it, I just didn't want it to be too much to her. So. And, and
0: all the stuff, you know, de- decompression on a plane. Yeah. You know, all it, that stuff. Uh, everything.
1: She's, yeah. she, you know, and she was nine at the time. But, you know, she's, she's an old girl. But she she survived that you know i remember meeting her and she was just very nervous very unsure and it took her you know a few days to settle in she was she was very skinny when she arrived um and and, and that was it we were, we, were, we we jumped in the deep end it's like what do you do with a blind dog how how do you how do you make it work and i think a lot of it is self-explanatory you know when we brought her in here she just made a beeline for what she sensed that was the corner. She wanted to feel secure. Mm. She wanted to feel the wall. And then, you know, when she had not moved for a few hours, we're like, okay, let's try to put the collar on. She would have never had a collar on before. And we actually walked her around the house, got her familiar with, yeah. this is your new this is your new home, and this, th- these these are the things you should observe. So, you know, walking her around the sofa, the tables, and then you learn with time that she understands her surroundings by, by things that don't move. So when, when you have friends around, you kind of have to remind them, you can't just dump your bike there or leave your suitcase there or your bag there. She. She remembers what the landscape is. So clever, um, isn't it? Really.
0: Yeah, it's fan- And she'll be doing that a lot with her sense yeah. of smell. Yeah. You know, I mean, the dog's sense of smell is like beyond our comprehension. Complete. So, you know. Smell, the breeze. The edge of the carpet, you know, the floor, your f- lovely floor there will smell different from the carpet. She knows where the either, steps are. Yeah. And
1: just simple things as we learn with time, you know, if she, you need to warn her for things that are going to happen in front of her. So when you come to a curb and you want to go up, just simply up. And lift the lead up, so she knows. So this knocks the shock of walking into the curb. Similarly, when she's coming to the edge of a curb and walking down sounds silly you really? say down yeah so so she understands that she's not always just shocked by something that obviously she has no sense that's coming mm,
0: mm. um but it must have been you know a, a massive sensory overload really to you know arrive in elephant and castle from thailand from Thailand, <laughs> um, and,
1: and obviously as i said it was it was five years ago to october so imagine you're going from 32 degrees every day of right, the, of yeah, the, of the to year Tresil to Tresil. suddenly being you know what is it 10 degrees and yeah, raining yeah but she she adapted quickly. I mean, I should say that, you know, again, learning curve. That first night, I actually had... There was it was actually a PJ Harvey concert that I had ah. to go to. Um, and there was no one else around. So I thought, right, I'm going to put her in the crate that she arrived in because I didn't know how they were going to be together. Sensible. So I put her in this crate in the other room. I was gone for, I don't know, an hour and a half. When I came back, boy. Oh, boy. Carnage. What? Really? Again, she, she didn't want to be restrained. So she... She broke out of the plastic crate. She clawed through the wooden door. I mean, she just she. I guess she panicked. She didn't understand where she was. She was in a different room. Ate away at the b- bottom of the door. She, you know, I think she once she lost her nail. You Gosh. know, she ate through the wall. Oh my God. And then it was like, okay, I understand lesson one. She doesn't like to be in places that she doesn't understand.
0: Right. So, so maybe f-
1: you know, crate Simba or put Simba in another room. Who
0: couldn't. Yeah, we kept that.
1: them separated for a while because at that time. She wasn't done and he isn't done. So we didn't suddenly want to have <laughs> some Sheba Thai cross puppies come in six weeks or however it is later. But we soon established that she was comfortable on the sofa. So this, so unfortunately she dethroned him. He was obviously top dog for two years. This was his world. She came in and a, after a couple of days of being a bit, you know, kind of like softly, softly and not so sure. She suddenly was like, okay, I need to, yeah. I need to step up and take the crown so she became comfortable here which was his place so this right. is her nook her in the lo- sofa lovely, lovely so sofa. That, that was it you know she, she slept on the sofa and she was comfortable um, and we learned, you know don't don't lock her away. She won't like it.
0: So about how long did it take before, you know, you could feel a bit more comfortable about, you know, moving, you know, going out for an evening? And I think, I, I mean, it's, it's weird. It's
1: five years, but it doesn't feel like five years. But then other times I think about it and it, and it seems like years and years ago. <laughs> I just remember that I had this this um, kind of notion or just dream that they would kind of function and, uh, as... As two like loving and interacting dogs, I thought they'd be playful together, but again, another learning curve with a blind dog they they can't play they 're not going to play because they can't see a ball they can't can't see a stick. She likes to chew on a stick, she loves her treats um they're very. They were very suspicious of each other in the beginning and it just took a And there's a bit, a
0: bit of an age difference, of course, because yeah. she arrived, well, nine going on 10. Yeah. So already that's a, you know an older dog that isn't playing so much. Yeah. Whereas Simbo's like two going on three. He threes, would want so to still, play with her. Exactly. So he would bring the ball to her.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I guess dogs are very, um, what's the word? They have a sixth sense, don't they? So I think he understands that she's different.
0: Yeah, you'd know, he oh, you'd
1: be able to know that she was blind, know that she only has one
0: eye, yeah. and her age, and her matriarchal status, yeah. and vice versa, you know, Susie would know everything about yeah. Simba. So, you know, it's natural that she, because you see, in the world of dogs, dogs are matriarchal, so they're not patriarchal. So the world of dogs isn't like the human yeah. world, which is still quite patriarchal, it's
1: matriarchal. Well, she Susie. definitely came in here and was like, okay, I, I'm, the I, boss. I'm the boss. Yeah. And I think, credit to him, I just think he's a very patient dog. He allows her to rule the rules, although he's probably thinking, actually, I was here first. <laughs> so there are times where she will kind of go to put him in his place, and I think a lot of the time he allows it, but I can just tell sometimes he's like, no, I'm not having that.
0: Did you ever feel bad? You know, did you ever think, Yes, yeah, because oh, I think he went through,
1: I don't know you'll be able to tell me if this is a thing, I think he went through a bit of a depression. <laughs> Do you think that's a thing? Well, I mean, it would have turned his world upside down. Yeah, it down. turned his, you know, I mean, he'd...
0: integrating another dog, even in the best of circumstances, is not easy, yeah. you know? And sometimes the biggest mistake people make is like, oh, we've got one dog, let's get another dog, because you know, we walk them at the same time, they'll keep each other company, it'll all be perfect. Yeah. That's a good outcome. Mostly it doesn't work out like that, you know, and yeah. um, two dogs in a home, they're the most often ones that tend to scrap, you know, it's a multi-dog
1: household. I, th- I think we got very lucky, you know, even, even from the point of view to, to bring a blind, effectively stray dog from another country to the UK and, th- and she arrives house trained, I can only presume that she was used to being around a complex, and perhaps they would shout at her if she if she soiled in the swimming pool area or the pavement area. Right, right. So I think she knew as soon as she arrived, she could distinguish what was inside and what was outside. Wow. Which I was just like, I can't believe we've we've got a house trained stray dog. That yeah, was just but like, dogs
0: are naturally clean. But I know what you mean. But yeah, it's probably a survival instinct. You know, she's
1: yeah. but she knows not to do that in the in the 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 kind of household area because yeah. maybe she would she you know got got and told she's off. arguably
0: more dog because yeah. she hasn't had the company of sort of permanent humans around her so yeah.
1: she's she, she uh, this was the point I was going to get on to got on to um there's another part of the story if, no, <laughs> Have I told you this part
0: <gasps> surprise me okay that. so we went back
1: to thailand um i think maybe only once or twice since since we've had susie but we went back to that resort and we met um uh, a new manager that I'd never met before. Got chatting to this this guy and it turned out he'd actually been the manager many years before. Anyway, it, it, he told us this story that basically he used to look after Susie when he was there. Really? And for a moment I was like, oh my God, we've, we've taken this guy's dog. Like, How did we not know this guy you know, kind of used to care Gosh. for? Her? And then it transpired that he was involved in a really, really horrific motorbike accident was in a coma oh my God. at the time we were there, right. or just before. He was uh, taken off the island and flown back to France, where he was from. And yeah, he was in a coma for three months. They thought he was going to die. He came, came round, came back to Thailand, and, and Susie had gone. But, and he was telling the story with tears in his eyes. I was just like, oh wow.
0: At this but point, it, did he know you had Susie? Yes, it? we were right. talking
1: over And we were, show, we were showing him the pictures of how badly injured she was with, the, with this eye. And he thanked us for looking after us because he understood that with him gone for three months she wouldn't have survived. He was the one that would leave food out for her right so right. it was this incredible story that just had this this beautiful ending that we got to rescue her but but ultimately you know it was sad that he she was she was no longer there for for him, but equally he just understood that you know there was no one there to care for Susie, so he acknowledged that. You know, she probably would have died. So he was just happy and grateful that, that we were able to look after her and give her this incredible home. We were showing him loads of photos, and then he was showing loads of showing us photographs of her as a puppy, oh. and then the puppies that she went on to have. There were loads of other dogs on the resort, so he was he was explaining that this is her son, this is her grandson. How amazing! So it was just this kind of you know comparing notes on this dog that had like touched both of our lives. So it was it was.
0: But it's like the universe did a line, yeah. you know, because she wouldn't have survived, yeah. and I mean he he must have felt so far away in France, and I just you know, felt worrying. devastated
1: what he felt when he came back. And just to add on to that story as well, You know, when we first started talking about rescuing Susie and we were posting on, on social media that we were doing this to the dog, mm. there were some other people that stayed at the resort, regulars like ourselves, who were just reaching out saying, what are you doing? This is Susie. We love Susie. You can't take Susie. Oh. But when I explained to them and privately and shared them photos, kind of explained, you love her and you get to spend two weeks of a year with her, but... Right now, no one is looking after her. And then it's, that's when you know, we, we struck up this relationship with the, all these wonderful people and they understood it was the right decision to remove her from that environment and give her a, a loving home for 365 days a year rather than them just enjoying being around Susie for the two weeks they were on vacation. She yeah, liked.
0: absolutely, because that's a bit selfish at the end of the day. I mean, you know, she's I think it
1: came from a good place. Of and, course. And when I explained and shared the photo, mm. it wasn't like we'd just gone to Thailand and decided, I'm going to take that dog with me. No, it was, it was. it was circumstance. With purpose. Yeah. She was
0: injured when you were yeah. there, you know, that might not have happened yeah. and then you wouldn't have stepped in. You know, it's... It's interesting, isn't it? Because dogs help us live in the present. And in a way, oh boy, did Susie help you do that? Because, you know, your holiday that you envisaged yeah. turned into something completely different yeah. because of a dog.
1: And then in addition to that, you know, when Susie arrived in the UK, I had, my best friend was living with at the time, a guy called Mike who works at the Ministry of Sound. And it, the incredible thing about Susie is you just feel like she touched so many people, this story, this journey, and just the kind of dog she is. So he was incredibly moved by the whole process of bringing Susie and he lived here and just and just loved being around her and I think at that point in his career he was he was ready for for just a change to do something different so he spoke to his boss James Palumbo from Ministry of Sound where he worked and James set up this charity and funded this dog rescue center in Thailand and Mike went out there to run it and he's been out there the last four years. Yeah. And he's still over there now, help it, raising Gosh. loads of money, taking loads of dogs off the street, neutering them, yeah. putting them back on the streets. Yeah. But you know, they, there's loads of dogs that get dumped outside the, the, the location where they are. I mean, he's just, yeah, changed his life around. And the interesting thing, when he came back to the UK a couple of years ago, this story had kind of like, he got some PR, this story went out. It became a bit of a viral thing. And he ended up going... He came on bark, The Barking Hour. Yeah, he did. I remember. He ended up going on This Morning. And, of course, people wanted to know the whole story. They wanted to trace it back to the inspiration. So Susie has been on TV. She's been on London Tonight, BBC London, This Morning. So she's... she's it's quite a wild story for this blind dog, you know, with a forked tongue, one eye, for smashed tongue. teeth.
0: Smashed teeth.
1: She's, she's an unconventional beauty to us. I was...
0: I tell you, you know, it's the first time I've actually met Susie in real life, because obviously when we've done um, airings on the piazza, that's not really the place for her. It quite crowded yep. and, and so on. So yeah, I feel so honoured to meet her on her fifth anniversary. Yeah. I really, really do. Um, um, and just seeing both of them so calm here now on your rug. Um, I mean, I must say, Simba is a very handsome dog. I mean, he's so red in colour, like he's just rolled up on your lovely grey rug at the minute and he is a fox. Yeah, I mean, I mean
1: I, honestly, if I had a pound for every time someone said that, I, you will hear that three times a day. Really? People either asking you or saying behind your back. Yeah. And I remember one time a woman in Brixton was, was adamant that we, we had a fox on the lead and she would, <laughs> she would not be told otherwise. We'd, we'd actually taken a fox from, from the wild. But he, he gets a lot of attention And I said before, you know, he's very aloof, which again can be sometimes very embarrassing because you know people will come over, they want to get a photo. Yeah. He understands what a camera is, and he will not play ball with a camera, he will look the other way. So people come over to get their selfie with this cute dog, and he will be looking (laughs) in completely every other direction. But I love that, you know, I
0: love that. And I think an independent-spirited dog is actually, you know, harder to live with in some respects. But for me anyway, because I've always lived with independent dogs, it's it's very rewarding, you know? And you don't want a dog to be too biddable. You want them to yeah. have their own minds.
1: Listen, there are times where I would love to just snuggle up with him on the sofa or, you know, have him on the bed, which I know mm-hmm. You probably wrote your own. Oh no! Frown don't or, be silly. Okay. Oh, don't be I, silly. Do you know what? Oh, it's, on, don't be silly. it's so funny. In the beginning, we were very like dogs off, safe have dogs on the floor. But I just—it's amazing how having a dog will just change you and kind of not yeah. make you so OCD about about the home. I just think uh, dogs are for enjoying. Yeah. You know, and the, and you know, the, the time with them is is short. I oh, know. Don't
0: be silly. At the moment, so it's Prudence, obviously, successor to Molly, Gremlin, my enormous street cat, and little Mister Binks. The we whole, all sleep. The whole family. In the same <laughs> day.
1: There are times I would love him to snuggle up, but I just. I love the fact he's, he's his own little man. He is this little thinker. I mean, there'll be times where he'll just wander out in the garden and he'll just sit there looking out to the sky. And it's so funny that the breeder knew at 12 weeks that was his personality. He yeah. was a thinker. Yeah. And I'm grateful that he is the way he is because I think it'd be if he'd been different, it might have been more problematic when, when Susie arrived. Because he, he is self-contained. Yeah. He's happy with his own company. He respects her she kind of, you know, gives him the space and this is this is, this is is good for them. This is when they're at their best. As it, occasionally there'll be a little bit of friction, yeah. but it's short-lived and I'm completely comfortable leaving them and not worrying they're going to tear each other apart because that was a worry in the beginning. Of that, course, you know, yeah. You don't know what's no, going to happen. No, no,
0: no. How long did it take to get to that, this point?
1: I think in the beginning there, there were quite a few weeks of keeping him removed from her because... As I said earlier, she was the one that didn't like being contained, so unfortunately he was the one that got removed from from the living area and put in one of the bedrooms. But then just being around both of them, you know, myself and my partner and and Belle who lives with us, we just got to understand how, how they were around each other. And you could see from the off that it, it wasn't going to be problematic there
0: we have got enough space, you know, here as well, yeah. so they can move away yeah. from each other. I'll tell so you the other, great.
1: the other thing from the beginning that, um, and I think I remember talking to you about this, food yes. and leaving the house. Like, it, it sounds really silly, and I'm sure you explained this to me, about letting her go before him. Yeah. Just to, because otherwise there's just friction points. Yeah. One food them, and leaving the house together can yes. just end up being problematic. So
0: really, Susie should be fed. Just put her bowl down before Simba's, very simple. But, um, you know, if that went the other way around and accidentally fed Simba first, Susie might be like, Hang on a minute, because well, you have to treat her the- as the top dog, so she has to walk through the door first. Yeah, exactly. and we try
1: and do that. I mean, the issues with food are. He is not motivated by food at all, right. whereas she's just a gannet. And I think that comes from living in <laughs> the wild, not yeah. knowing when your next food. Exactly. So you put food down, it's gone in a flash. Right. So whereas he, you'll put food down and he'll be like, I'll come back to that later.
0: And that's no good because then she's scoffed his dinner as well. She's scoffed it and then
1: she's had two dinners. Yeah. So what, what I kind of sometimes like to do, I mean, obviously, since we've been uh, the last six months of kind of working from home and COVID, I'm able to be around them so I can keep an eye on that. But what, what I often do is I wait for him to signal when he's hungry. And what he'll do is he'll walk over to where we normally have the bowls and sit there and look towards the fridge or up to the counters. And that's him signaling, I would like some food now. So I'd rather wait for his cues okay. than, than lose two meals to Susie. Yeah. Who, who yeah. sometimes carries a bit of holiday weight.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, goodbye, good for her. Sharing. She's, you know, she's 14 it?
1: now. I'm, I'm not going to be her having 14. a little
0: bit. Of... But, you know, she's, I love her, a proper street dog. Yeah. You know, know, I think it's um, such an achievement.
1: Well, you just, you just, you know, I look at her and I think every scar, missing tooth, as I said, you know, the the, the eye, the, she's got loads of cuts and scars and you just think, my God, she's lived the life. You know, she's fought for her survival for, for the best part of nine of those years. Um, and Amazing I, to live that long. Yeah, and way. I don't doubt there's been moments where she's had incredible, um, incredible loving people that have stayed at that resort and really loved her and just loved her personality. Like she's an extremely popular dog, which is you know why some people were a bit sad that she left the resort. Uh, but yeah. you know I've spoken to a lot of them since she's been here, sent them updates and pictures, and and they, they just love seeing that she's thriving in London and enjoying living here and you know going out and about
0: but for you as well i mean how life-changing has it been you know initially with simba and then with susie because I should say that you know you have a very hectic massively responsible job working for island records have you found dogs have made your life better have you found um absolutely more present
1: i think it's it's, i think i was ready for this at that part of my life i think about going too deep i just think I think the world of dogs just opens, it's like a portal into a different world. And and I just mean by that, you know, you walk a dog, everyone smiles at you, you walk a dog, people talk to you, you have dogs, you suddenly want to, you know, use your time better at the weekends. You know, I'm forever Googling things to do with your dogs. You know, I've seen more of London with my dogs than I did in the, you know, 11 years of living in London pre-dogs. You just you just see you see a better world with dogs i think and, and you, communi- you experience a better yeah, world yeah and you,
0: you you reach out to a whole new section of society yeah. that is welcoming yeah. and you've got something else in common with yeah. people so and,
1: and don't get me wrong you know i guess it, it's similar to, to having children obviously not the same but just have it thinking about time thinking about you know how long you've been outside the house trying to not leave them alone for too long um we do have that fantastic support network of friends so there's always someone yeah. that can pop round so they're not left for too many hours but yeah it's, it's good to have them as they, they need you so and
0: stress busters yeah. during covid i mean i think you know you'll agree everyone who's had a dog through lockdown certainly has been one of the lucky ones oh absolutely
1: i mean they're are a reason to, to close the laptop yeah. Give Paul's, you know, pause Zoom for a moment and go out and see some sunshine or have some fresh air. And I think that that's a constant reminder of me, oh, let's go and walk the dogs. And I think that's extremely healthy for, for me to take a break from just, the, you know, 12 hours zoom back to back to back throughout the day. So um, long-term, um,
0: are you going to be a committed dog owner for the rest of your life? Oh, see?
1: absolutely. I mean, I never like to think about what's ahead. I can't even. No one knows. No one knows, do they? But I think. Without a doubt, I would I would love to think I would rescue another dog because I think, you know, there's so many dogs that do need rescuing. But mm. equally, if anyone's thinking of doing that, I really think you need to do your research because I think we got very lucky. And I can imagine that if you didn't know what you were getting yourself into, it could be problematic and it and it could end up being something that, that people might regret doing.
0: Yeah, a dog is for life, you know, and um, you've got to think it through. Think about it, you know your commitments you know be honest with yourself um, and think about you know if you've got a garden not yeah. a garden all of these you things you don't know
1: what they've been through before no. you, you know and there's there's probably so much you won't find out until that dog is in your home as so whether you've got a cat of, children yeah. garden noisy neighbors
0: even with a dog that's yeah. res- rescued in england you know there's always a, a time well, that you wait until Su- their true Susie, personality as we said before
1: doesn't like other dogs that's key for everyone who walks her to understand we don't let him off the lead just because he's an escape artist. So if there's an enclosed area, he'll go for a run around. But it's safer to keep him on lead at all times. Susie, we will let off the lead, but only when we're comfortable there aren't any dogs in the area. If there are other dogs, you, you get she, her shackles will go up. If the dog's too close to her, she, she will growl. But she's protecting herself. So sometimes you just have to say to another owner, would you mind putting your dog on a lead? What I tend to do is step over her and have her between my legs just to kind of stop her, um, that could get in trouble, but equally to try and keep that other person's dog because not all dog owners are responsible and you have this big dog charging over and you say, Excuse me, could you could you keep your dog away?
0: And that that is um, a massive problem at the moment. Um, uh, recently in another podcast, I was talking to the RSPCA about this. So more regulations are coming in, actually, just to make uh, people just be yep. a little bit practical and thoughtful to other people. And, and it is about, you know, in a way, yeah. minding your own business. It's, it's common sense, pro- isn't it? it? Is. If your
1: dog's running around off lead and not in control, your dog is exposed to whether it's people, bikes, cars, but also other dogs and...
0: Not all dogs like each other. No. You know, it's not just not all Susie. people like each other. Exactly, that's what I always say. Look, look at people. We don't all yeah. get on. So you can't expect just because a dog is a dog that they're all going to get on because they definitely
1: not always do. Yeah, it's interesting. Their relationship outside the house is very different to when they're inside. That when that's they're out, they're very they're a lot more closer together. It just seems that it just seems to be out there. They're they're more um distracted by the noises and smells and sensations than they are here and they're happy to walk next to each other i've always thought that was very interesting
0: yeah that is well it's that teamwork thing i I think you know and obviously i think simba will know susie's a bit compromised and really you know he loves her and wants to support her i love it steve look thank you for today
1: um i think i think i should probably say thank you for you yours and joe's influence in this journey because i honestly do believe, hand on heart, it it all started with The Barking Hour. <laughs> barking
0: at barking the at Moon. Barking the Moon,
1: sorry, I keep forgetting. It's been many years. So just, <laughs> it's a long just, time. Just that show, I just think, sparked something. And, well, you've and been helped. so
0: supportive of the show, and um, and it is still running, yep. I mean, 11 years What a on. credit.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Steve. That's our show, Mr. Vinks. What did you think? Yes, Susie really did land on her feet, thanks to Steve's commitment and determination. And I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe to A Dog's Life with Anna Webb on your favourite podcast app. We're on all of them. Thank you to Steve Pitron of Island Records and, of course, to Susie and Simba. Links to their social handles are in the show notes. Thank you to our sponsors, Relaxo Pet and Pet Trade Innovations. You can find links to their sites in the show notes as well. My producer is the amazing Mike Hansen at Pod People Productions, and you can follow them on at Pod People UK. For more about me, I'm on at Anna Webb Dogs. We'll be back in your feed next Sunday for another episode of A Dog's Life with me, Anna Webb. Bye for now.